0: Here comes the. Here comes the. Here comes the. you don't really worry like it Here comes Here comes Here comes Here comes the. Here o- comes Here comes the.
1: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Kent Wyrock, and I am joined by my entire crew this time. We have all four of us, plus a special guest on today's show. So, we have two mats on the show. We also have Jen Smith, of course. she's She's one of our favorites, but we have two mats on the show. So we decided we didn't have enough mats, and we had to go out and bring in one more. So we have a very special guest on the show this week. We have Matt Harmon coming in to join us. Matt, how are you doing today?
0: Uh, I'm doing good. Um, thank you so much for having me on, adding to the uh, quota of mats for the show. It, we, it really is overloaded uh, in the fantasy industry. We were talking about this before we uh, got started recording. There's just way too many mats out there. I don't know whether like some people need to start changing their names. Um, I certainly won't be one of them. Uh, because if I change, I'll lose the blue check on Twitter, and that's the only thing clinging to my life force anymore, so can't do that. Uh, but we really got to work something out here. There's just way too many of us.
1: Actually, I think that we decided that maybe I should just change my name to Matt. And actually, Jen, you know what? You could probably go as a Matt, too.
2: Sure. I think I could pull it off.
1: Just the uh, the
3: full Matilda? I don't know.
2: <laughs> oh, that's. <laughs>
3: oh, that's not bad. Yeah. <laughs>
4: Yeah, we've had some issues. <laughs> Even this past episode, people on Twitter kind of reaching out to us and confusing Okada and myself. And so I'm excited to see what kind of response we get with Harmon on on the show tonight. Though I'm sure people will recognize his voice a little bit more than ours. If people mistake me for Matt Harmon, I
3: think I'll take
0: it. <laughs> I don't know. People are people are kind of dumb about voices because, like, on our old NFL Fantasy podcast, rest in peace. Uh, we people would mistake like. Marcus and I or like franchise and I like nobody would nobody understood who anybody's voice was it was just very sad like what we don't sound anything alike give me a break
2: I think I'm safe I I think people know which voice is mine but you never really know yeah
4: (laughs) you know without without further ado let's get let's get going on this guys tonight we're gonna be talking about um some wide receivers and we're gonna be talking about guys that you can get late in your draft that are going to be values guys that um are going to kind of make or break your roster that you know those wide receiver threes those wide receiver fours that are going to kind of shape up and let your let your roster come together nicely so before we get into that we've got a tradition going on the pod where we've been reading a review that we've gotten on itunes um and we've got a great one tonight we'll let okada go ahead and take over and read that sure so this one comes in from empire ffl you guys may actually know
3: him john bosch uh pretty involved in the fantasy community, including SFB8 and uh, that whole side of things. So really appreciate getting a review from him. Titled, Red Shirts is Gold. Very punny. Uh, And he says, really liking this new pod. It has become a staple in my rotation. Hard to listen to every episode of every pod I like, but I haven't missed an episode of this one and don't plan to.
2: Thanks, John.
3: Yeah. You know, it's, it's good to hear from someone who, you know. They know what they're talking about. So if they like listening
4: to us, I suppose we must know what we're talking about a little bit. We
2: hope a little. Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah, just a bit. John's a great guy. John, thank you so much for that, um, for that review. John's an awesome follow on Twitter as well. Like you said before, at EmpireFFL. Give him a follow. He's doing some great work, um, in the community, kind of along with what Scott is doing with Fantasy Cares and all that great stuff. So thanks a lot, John. Uh, we'll go ahead and move into the news now. There's, there's been a lot of news, um, Actually, in the last couple of days, in the last week, the most recent one coming out today was regarding uh, Buffalo Bills running back LaShawn McCoy. Uh, guys, it's it's kind of a, a sad situation if it's true, and we don't want to assume anything until he's proven uh, proven guilty. But uh, there's been some reports coming out. I think it was an Instagram post showing his ex girlfriend, I believe it was, with some pretty brutal kind of facial scars and alleged you know domestic violence and that kind of thing, which. We all take very seriously, so uh, we'll kind of leave the legal side out of this for now. But um, what do you guys make of this situation, and does it change at all for that Bills offense in terms of what you're looking for in 2018? It's not a, actually too much of a an impact for me just because I wasn't
3: drafting McCoy anywhere anyways. I don't like—I know he's going to get touches, obviously, on that offense. He's going to be the key cog, possibly the only actual player. Uh, person to touch the ball i'm not sure how they'll make that work but there is no one else there with any semblance of offensive talent really for being honest or defensive talent their team is is just bad um so this obviously uh we'll see how it how it all pans out um and like uh, bet said we don't want to get too much into where that will go or where it's been but just from a fantasy perspective It does move him down even a little bit more for me because of the potential for obviously missed time, but because I didn't have him that high, anyways, it's just going from I'm not really drafting him to I'm definitely not really drafting him. Yeah, for sure. I kind of feel the
0: same way. I kind of feel the same way, right? Like, I was not drafting McCoy, anyways, and like, this is just going to be even more. This will, like, keep me from seeing him fall too far and being like, well, you know, yep. like, he's gonna get 300 plus touches, we know this, uh, and like, talking myself into it, so, yeah, probably just kind of hands off no matter where uh, he slips, the situation does look ugly, there's, you know, even the accusation or, uh, you know, the implications are, you know, that he might have ordered an attack on her or something, or in a robbery, it just, it, I'm just kind of be, I'm gonna be hands off about this, and, and for the bills at large, like, I don't really see myself drafting any Bills players this year. Uh, like you mentioned, McCoy was really the only marquee guy. Um, the other names in that offense, you know, Kelvin Benjamin. Uh, I mean, I, he's going to get targets, but like out of a outside of a best ball scenario, you're you know you're never going to want to slide him into a weekly lineup. So I'm out on that. And there's really nobody that like. There's nobody on the roster, like, that I'm excited about. It, you know, if, if McCoy is gone, like, okay, well, this guy could get starter level touches. I mean, you're looking at, like, Chris Ivory. You're so, not excited about yeah, him? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not 2015 anymore, Jen. Uh, I, I haven't been excited about He Chris could lead Ivory the
2: backfield. Oh, come
0: on. <laughs> I'm yeah, kidding, folks. I, I, would, I would take several other followers before I would take the leader of that backfield. So, yeah, Agreed. I don't know. Um, probably just total hands off on the bills this year.
4: I think we're all we're all in lockstep there. I think that's probably about five minutes too long spent on the Bills uh, for the 2018 season. Uh, One guy that that might kind of be a a piece to to fill in if there is a suspension or if there is um, any sort of legal action against uh, Lashawn McCoy, a name that's still out there that's kind of floating around as a veteran running back, Demarco Murray. We just want to bring it up so he's on everyone's radar. um, You know, moving through the summer and into training camps that purportedly from Adam Schefter. Uh, there's been four or five teams that are interested in Murray and have been talking to him. We're not sure what's going to come of that, but I don't think we really need to get into it too much. Just something to monitor. So maybe there's a training camp injury or something like that where he um, finds himself on an NFL roster. But for now, kind of just a situation to monitor and, and a name to monitor throughout the season. The next thing that's that's pretty relevant, and Okada, you're going to probably have some, some feelings about this one if I know anything about you. Uh, your boy, Julian Edelman. Suspended and will serve his four-game suspension. What do you think? Uh, I kind of had a a small sliver of hope
3: that the whole discussion of we don't really know what this substance was was gonna give us a way out, and Edelman would play. But clearly, that's not the case. Um, I think we touched on a little bit when he when the suspension first came out, but I still like drafting Edelman. I think it, it gives him some value and. Typically, when I look at the Patriots, when I look at Tom Brady, when I look at Julian Edelman as well, these are fiery guys who like to play with chips on their shoulder. So don't be surprised if Edelman comes back in Week Five. Brady starts hammering his boy with targets, uh, which would have happened anyways. And you see in a PPR league, Edelman absolutely skyrocket as far as uh, value and point production. So if you can get him at a place where you think you can last four games and considering some of the guys who could fill in even from the patriots uh over that span that you could get way late in drafts to fill in if you need to i think it's totally a viable strategy
4: for sure jen who do you think is going to step up in that four game absence who's who's the biggest beneficiary of this suspension
2: i mean you think about Hogan, I think he comes to mind the most. And then I think some are even talking about Jordan Matthews, right, as coming up and kind of filling in and taking some of those targets and him being this deep, deep sleeper. I'm not on that train, I don't think. Um, so for me, I think it's Hogan. He stepped up last season. I think we can expect a similar thing. What I am kind of seeing, though, is his ADP is starting to rise. think I just, once Edelman is back, I'm not quite sure what value he is going to hold or what role he's going to have continuously on the team. We haven't necessarily seen that since Edelman was out on injury last season. So it's kind of, it, I'm drafting Edelman, let's say, at a discount later. I'm not drafting
0: Hogan.
4: Yeah, for sure. Harmon, you got anything to add to this situation?
0: Yeah, I like I like Hogan. Um, you know, he's kind of in that six-round range right now, which I think is fair. The thing I like about him is that he's a player we've seen succeed in multiple roles. Uh back in before they brought in Brandon Cooks, you know, in 2016, he was kind of the vertical receiver of that offense. Led the league in yards per reception, was consistently taking snaps on the outside. Then we saw last year, you know, he would be kind of more of a 40% slot receiver, so We know he can thrive inside when Edelman is out. We know that when Edelman is back in, he will still have a role as the outside receiver. Uh, Honestly, to me, this has just led me to draft Gronk more. Uh, You know, we talked about Scott Fishbowl. He was my uh, second-round pick in that league. Right at the turn, I went Leonard Fournette and uh, Rob Gronkowski right (laughs) there up at the top. And and I I like taking him in that format, especially, obviously, with some of the bonuses for tight ends. But... Even more so, I think this just lines up for a, a really monster campaign for Gronkowski. Because as everybody has said here so far, a lot of ambiguity in the uh, Patriots' pass catching core, and obviously they have the running backs there as well. But I think this just leads me back to Gronk more and more.
4: Yeah, for sure. I think uh, I'm going to agree with agreement with you there. The uh... The nice thing about the situation is that I think it takes away one piece of the puzzle in New England, because we know how they like to spread it out. And Edelman is kind of his his security blanket, blanket Tom Brady's security to blanket. But without him there, I mean, Gronk, I think, is just going to absolutely destroy this year. If he can stay on the field, um, there's no chance he doesn't finish as a top two tight end and, and is a weekly uh, winner for you in your lineup. So, last thing kind of here with the news before we get into all of our sleeper wide receivers, we just want to point out the Aaron Jones suspension. He was suspended uh, for two games for a marijuana related issue. And I know that on a previous podcasts, we had talked about that Green Bay backfield and how it's just murky. It's muddy. We don't know who to target. There's three guys there that could be um, viable options in Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and now Ty Montgomery is the third one. So, with Jones being suspended for those first two weeks, We're going to have a little clarity kind of shakeout in those first two weeks between Ty Montgomery uh, and Jamal Williams. And I think the consensus that I've seen kind of around the league is that people are kind of giving Jamal Williams the, the, the right to the first and second down work kind of out of the gates. Do you guys agree with that or do you think Ty Montgomery has a chance to kind of step in and steal some of that work right away now that Jones is out for the first two weeks?
3: Personally, I was the guy who leaned Williams actually even before any of this came out, um, and not even just at ADP, which Jones's was higher uh, than Williams, but just in general, give me a pick between the two, and I wanted Jamal uh, for a few different reasons. What I think this really does, and it's kind of more impactful than maybe a two-game suspension for a starter who you know is going to have the job, in the sense that because Jamal Williams is going to be guaranteed now the shot, to carry the rock probably primarily at least from a a rush attempt standpoint for those first two games. If he shows well, I imagine, I'm pretty confident the Packers will stick with him. They kind of talked about, hey, we've got a few guys, we'll probably end up sticking with the hot hand. Uh, McCarthy came out and said something to that effect. So if Jamal Williams does come out and play solidly, it, Aaron Jones may never even get the shot that he could have had and outperformed Jamal with had he not ended up with the suspension. So for me, it bumps Jamal Williams even a little bit higher in my own rankings, and I'm going to try to snatch him in a few places.
4: Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely a good kind of synopsis there of our analysis. I personally am going to be targeting Jones really late in my drafts. I think that this is just going to cause his value just to plummet in terms of draft position. So if I can get him after round 11, 12, as a late round guy, I think he's he's worth either stashing on the end of your bench um, or even just kind of seeing what happens when he returns from that suspension suspension on the waiver wire. So uh, he's a name to, to definitely fade a little bit in terms of draft capital and draft position, but certainly a guy who could end up coming back and, and making a name for himself later on in the year, just like he did last year. That's before like we move guys, on. Anything...
2: Just to let you know, his ADP, uh, Jones. He's in the uh, at the end of the eighth, which dropped him a full two rounds from where he was. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. So he was and in the was, seventh, and even... he's dropping into the end of the eighth, almost into the ninth now. So.
4: Yeah, and that was a week ago that news came out. So that's just going to continue to just plummet his value. So awesome, good stuff, Jen. All right, guys, you ready? <laughs> this is the main event. Oh, I'm ready. This is uh, oh, ready. this is why we brought. Mr. Matt Harmon onto the pod to kind of give us some sleepers that we should be targeting in a, in redraft leagues. So Matt, for any of our listeners who, for whatever reason, don't know what you do, which would be shocking, um, give us a little rundown on kind of what you do and what your approach is to fantasy and kind of, um, why we should trust you as the wide receiver guy.
0: Oh, uh, well, no promises on the last part. Um, but, but I, so what 100% I, I yeah, right. You, you full full refund guaranteed uh, if it's wrong. What you get exactly? Which actually, that's not true because you do have to pay for all this stuff. <laughs> but anyways, uh, sure. so uh, with reception perception, which is the methodology that I developed to evaluate wide receivers over over four years ago now, um, what I do is I go in and, and over an eight game sample for NFL players, I chart every single route that they run over those games. I chart how often they get open on each route, how often they run each route against what type of coverage is where they most successful. So. And there's also some ancillary metrics too, like contested catch conversion rate, for example. So really whatever you want to know about a wide receiver, uh, reception perception is going to tell you that. It's really the only thing out there that kind of helps quantify route running, which was something that when I was trying to break into the industry, I I thought was missing. So um, I've been doing this project for four years now. This is the second season. It's been partnered with the Fantasy Football Ultimate Draft Kit. Uh, So if you want access to this information, any of the things I referenced tonight, you can head over to receptionperception.com. There's a link to purchase it there uh the cool part about doing this for the last four years is that i've really been able to see or or i've really been uncovering more and more like what these numbers and data points mean you know because when you're working off the initial player sample of like 15 or 20 guys back when i first started in 2014 doing this uh you know you don't really know what the data means yet because it's it's brand new um of course you know if I was really pursuing this like as a true academic or whatever, uh, you know, I would have waited like four or five years before, um, you know, giving any opinions on what this data was telling us. But to try to be a football analyst, uh, that doesn't really work. Nobody cares if there's not a take. So uh, but, the, but the cool part now is I've seen the series develop so much. I really do understand so much more of what it's telling us. And there's probably conclusions that I drew off reception perception two, three years ago that I wouldn't uh, draw now. But sitting here in the moment we're able to kind of really understand these numbers more and more. And I think that's going to help us uh, discuss some of these players that, that we're all going to bring up tonight, not just myself.
4: Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Matt. That was great stuff. And I don't know about you guys, Jen and Okada, but I'm certainly going to be referencing some reception perception data here. Oh, you know it.
2: <laughs> I was taking my notes and so I'm, I'm not like, is lie. it strange? Is it, is it something you shouldn't do? Quote somebody back to themselves. I don't know. I'm gonna go with it. So I figure. Yeah, I hope
0: it's gonna, flattery. I hope it's flattery, Matt.
4: Yeah, we're all gonna. I mean, in I'll feel weird data.
0: about it, but uh, we can. I'll I'll let it go.
4: <laughs> awesome. Well, with that with that being said, guys, let's get into it. So we defined our sleeper wide receivers for this year as guys that we could target around. The round seven to eight range and beyond. So we're not talking about those first six rounds who we all know about, who are all good players, who we all want in our teams. Um, like I mentioned kind of at the top of the show, these are the guys that I think personally kind of separate you from your league mates. When you know this information and you know these guys to target, it can definitely set you apart from, from the next guy in your league. So without further ado, let's get into it here. Uh, we'll give Harmon the uh, the first go at this since he's the reception perception guy. Uh, Harmon, you got a guy for us who should we should target after round seven?
0: Yeah, this one feels pretty obvious to me, um, and I think a lot of other analysts are on this, which is which is nice to see, too. Um, it's, we talked about the Packers earlier. It's Randall Cobb. Um, I know he's already had some health issues again this offseason, which you definitely got to watch out for because that's really what's held him back over the last couple of years. He's been a fascinating player to kind of track throughout reception perception. You know, one of the fir- the first season I sampled of him was that great 2014 season. You know, we all remember that he scored a bunch of touchdowns, got the big contract extension. Um, since then, over the 2015 and 2016 seasons, we saw his success rate versus coverage scores, you know, charting how often he's getting open, just collapse. Uh, especially 2016 was a really nightmarish season. And, you know, in my mind, I'm like, Oh, I think this guy's probably seen the, the, you know, his best days are are in the past, was what I was thinking as we're going along. Um, however, it, you know, this past season, I was surprised to see when I went back and charted his sample that he was back up there towards that 70% success rate first man coverage score. He's much better against zone coverage. I, and I think, honestly, what it was, was just being healthy. Now, we saw him produce actually pretty well in games where Aaron Rodgers played. Obviously, the rest, you know, you kind of have to give him a mulligan because of the Brett Hundley thing. But with Rodgers coming back healthy, uh, with hopefully Cobb healthy there, and, and really the number two target, because if you look at Green Bay's passing attack, uh, obviously Devontae Adams is he's up there as a top 10 receiver in fantasy this year, and I think deservedly so. He's proven he's a good player, and he's going to absorb a, a ton of volume, but outside of that, on the wide receiver depth chart, a lot of unproven guys, and at tight end they have Jimmy Graham, but like... Jimmy Graham, I think, is definitely slowing down, too. So I've been all over Cobb, and he's going in the eighth round right now on Fantasy Football Calculator. And sometimes you can get him even a little later than that. I'm all in on him at that price because it's all reward and a floor with really no risk baked into it because he's so cheap.
4: Yeah, that's awesome stuff. And and you brought up some great points there. And the fact that um, his reception perception data just plummeted during that 2016 season and allowed him to kind of bounce back into last year and, and potentially this year um that was great stuff but I'll be honest all you need to say for me to be excited about Randall Cobb is Brett Hundley is now <laughs> not playing quarterback and Aaron Rodgers is back under center so I agree 100 he's someone that I'm definitely targeting as well um and I think that anytime you have an Aaron Rodgers pass catcher that's all you got to say um he's he's a guy who I think can bounce back for sure so I'm with you there Harmon that's great stuff uh Okada, let's kick it over to you. Who's one guy that you're excited about after round 7? Sure. So,
3: first guy I'm going to I'm going to go with is one Jameson Crowder of the Washington Redskins, coming in pretty much uh somewhere in the 10 to 11 round range uh in standard and then in PPR that will bump up a little bit, not quite uh above kind of our limit, but certainly he is a little bit more of a PPR receiver, so that's something to consider uh as far as your scoring format when you're looking to draft him. It's going to make a big difference. Uh, but basically, Crowder's a guy who has not quite broken out. Not quite. He had a very good season uh, back in 2016. 99 targets, 67 receptions, 847 yards, 7 TDs. Uh, I think that probably it can be said that the TDs were a little bit fluky that year. They probably won't be that high. It's not really his uh, cup of tea, per se. Um But he's increased targets every year he's been in the league. Uh, He's increased receptions per game every year he's been in the league. Uh, This is going to be his fourth season now. Last season, he was a little bit hampered by some hamstring issues. Uh, He only missed one game technically, but uh, it seems to have slowed him down a little bit. And there are reports coming out already out of OTAs um, that he's feeling a lot better, feeling a lot more explosive. Uh, I saw a note from Chris Thompson saying that Crowder's been keeping up with him in sprints, which has never been the case. Uh, and we've seen Chris Thompson run. So you know how fast that is. Uh, Alex Smith has, uh, complimented Crowder as well. And then that's another actually primary reason that I'm really interested in Crowder is who Alex Smith really is. Um, and let's, let's just be clear. He is not the guy that we saw last year. I think this is, this is kind of gonna be, um, what Matt Ryan was last year after his monster season when everybody was like, oh my goodness gracious, this is who Matt Ryan really is. Let's draft him as a top five QB. And then we saw last year, that's not quite what it is. When someone who's had a long career of a certain type or a level of production suddenly has an incredible season, take a step back, consider that it might have been an outlier. So for me, I'm looking at last season for Alex Smith as an outlier. He uh, threw about 8.0 yards per attempt. Mark, and his career average is 6.9. Pretty big gap there. Um, and I expect it to come back down to what we've kind of known him to be, which is an intermediate, short, uh, middle of the field type guy. He doesn't chuck it deep. He doesn't have a Tyreek Hill. Uh, except maybe for one guy that I think we might hear about a little bit. If he can finally break out. I won't spoil that. Uh, but having said that, there's no clear cut wide receiver one really on this team as of yet. I think there's a few guys who could maybe get there, but as far as a PPR standout, I think Jameson Crowder's the guy. So if you're in half or full, I think he's a huge value. If you're in standard, I still like to look at him maybe, Um and I'm feeling pretty good at, up, about him. I, I think maybe we kind of have to skip back to Harmon really quick because one of his guys is a teammate of my guy, and I feel like we should maybe hear about that.
0: Yeah, no, this this offense is always a fun uh, one to talk about because we know throughout Washington's history with Jay Gruden, they've never really had a funnel receiver. You know, like you mentioned, they've never really had that number one guy that just absorbs a, a mass amount of the targets. You know, people were incorrectly identifying Terrell Pryor as that player last year. Uh, that was never going to be the case. Um, this year, I do think that if there's one player that does have that potential, I think it is Josh Doxson. Um You know, If you look at him back at TCU, he was really known for his ability in contested situations, his reception, perception, contested catch, conversion rate, 80% uh, back in those days, or excuse me, 85%, clearly a dominant trait of his. Uh, But if you looked at the rest of his sample too, he was a guy who had above average success rates on a variety of routes all across the route tree. So I do think he is somebody that can be more than just a jump ball specialist. I think he does have the ability to be... A true number one receiver, I don't know necessarily that you you should bank on him getting the target load of that type of player, um, but you don't necessarily have to pay for him as that guy either. He's going in like the 13th round right now. I love taking him there, uh, especially in best ball because I do think he'll have those big weeks uh, where he scores touchdowns in the red zone, uh, gets targets inside the 10-yard line and converts them because he is that dominant contested catch receiver, and honestly, I just think this offense in Washington is going to be really good. Uh, Jay Gruden, I do think, is an underrated offense of mine. I think Alex Smith, like you mentioned, obviously is going to regress in terms of his deep passing numbers and all of that. But I do think he's a capable point guard in this offense that has a lot of intriguing players, whether it's Jamison Crowder, whether it's uh, even Paul Richardson, who I'm also taking too because he's super cheap. Uh, Jordan Reed, if he's healthy, you know, God willing, probably won't be. Um, Chris Thompson, Darius Geis, interesting backfield tandem This, they're behind a really great offensive line with a defense that I think could put them in shootout situations so these cheap receivers um, and just pass catchers in general whether it's Reed um, Doxton, Richardson uh, I'm taking all these guys later in drafts because I think this is, offense is underrated and the guy I like the most is Josh Doxton because I believe he could really break out this year uh, after an injury riddled first season and what was essentially his rookie year last year
2: and he's going a full six rounds after him too, Dachshund. Uh So he's you're getting him from almost nothing. I liked that uh, the point guard of the offense. I liked that Matt. I think the thing that really describes Alex Smith pretty well, and what I'm expecting of him in this offense and what he's capable of. So go ahead, bets.
0: And I think I think that's the the type of quarterback that Jay Gruden wants too. You know, I mean, he's had Andy he had Andy Dalton in Cincinnati, and I think kind of wanted Kirk Cousins to be that. And maybe some of that push and pull was why. Kirk is not there anymore, um, but clearly, like I said, just never had one guy in that offense that has you know been a you know number one type of uh, Antonio Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, nobody even close to that level talent-wise, obviously, but nobody that gets that type of volume. So it's clearly a, a spread offense that spreads the field and wants the quarterback to spray the ball around. So I think that's the type of quarterback that he wants. I think that's why they... They paid Alex I mean, they paid Alex Smith a lot of money. Like they're definitely banking on him being something close to what he was last year. Not quite the same version, but something close.
4: Yeah, for sure. And and if he can be eighty, ninety percent of what he was last year, I think that Washington fans and fantasy owners for those pass catchers in Washington are gonna be pretty happy with with that offense. So we'll see what comes of that there. But definitely some late round guys that Washington will provide that one of those guys is gonna hit. It's just a matter of of which one, kind of week to week and throughout the season. So, so we'll see about those those two guys. Thanks, guys. That was awesome. Um, Jen, you've been a little quiet. Let's get let's get you going here. <laughs> Who's one guy that you are really excited about? And I think uh, I think we've talked about him before on the show a couple of times. Have we? Um, you- I think so, a couple of times, briefly. But give us some more detail uh, about a Dallas wide receiver that we should know about.
2: Absolutely. I'm talking about Alan Hearns. He's currently going in the seventh round, the end of the seventh round in PPR League. So wide receiver 42 off the board. And he just landed in one of the best situations, I think. We saw his ceiling in 2015, which just feels like forever and a day ago. But him and A-Rob taken over, and he wound up that year number 19. So I think we can see his talent. Um and what he's capable of. And then now he is the, right now, undisputed wide receiver one for that offense. And while obviously they're going to run that offense through Zeke, I do think he's going to get, um, Hearns is going to get enough targets to really make up that ADP and more. Like, I think he could be a pretty consistent wide receiver three, if not a flex. Um, and just he has that upside, I think, this year. He was really good on deep patterns. Here I am. Here I am, Harmon. And he had – I had to say this one, though. For, for the record, I had to say this, and I think you'll know why. He had the best conversion rate in contested, like, contested targets. He had the best conversion rate at 91.7%. It was the highest over the last four seasons that Matt has tracked. So I had to throw that out there because he has the talent. He can do this. And now he has the opportunity. So I'm definitely taking him late in rounds. So –
4: yeah, and Jen, just give our give give our listeners an idea. Who is he going around? Like what other receivers are near him in drafts at ADP?
2: He is sorry, going. I thought you had it up. You're, you're always the ADP I do. person for us. So he's going right around. <laughs> so we've got Devontae Parker, Jordy Nelson, Robbie Anderson, then and he's going. Alan Hearns, then Goodwin's right after him, DJ Moore, and Calvin Ridley. So he's after guys like uh, Cooper Cup. Uh, Robert Woods, Parker, who I have my own questions about. He's going after Cobb, which I agree with. And so he's kind of going in that range where I think his upside, especially if he's wide receiver one, he's clearly going to have probably more targets than some of these guys and more opportunity. And we're always saying volume and fantasy is one of the big things. And then I think his upside's there. So I'm not saying he's going to be like the top, but these are sleepers, a.k.a. guys you're going to get for for value late, and then they're going to surprise you later and could win you some some head-to-heads, so.
3: I think it's cool, actually, you brought up that specific stat about contested catches, Jen, because it was Dez gone. Right. We were all wondering, oh, who's going to be the wide receiver one? Is there even going to be a wide receiver one? But even specifically, what Dez did best was that, you know, in the red zone, give someone a chance to throw up a ball or throw one of those little comebacks um, and rake in touchdowns so if even if alan hearns doesn't lead the team in targets which i think he probably will i think you're right on that he's probably going to have a better shot in the red zone than a lot of them too which is very valuable obviously in fantasy 231
2: 231 targets vacated and then over 50 percent of red zone targets vacated between witten and des sounds Mm. pretty sounds pretty juicy to me i think
4: yeah i mean there's there's a ton of volume to go around you know what's crazy too is
0: this this is one by the way, Jen like totally logged into the Google Doc first and like put two good picks right away, which was annoying. <laughs> uh, I was like, "Those were definitely two that I, I was like."
2: Went save. in and I'm like, "Oh, I gotta get these."
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that, those were... and I was like, "Oh man, she's already stolen the good picks." Uh, but people are on Hearns though. Yeah, they're getting there. They are. Yeah, you, you mentioned he's up there in like kind of that ninth, like nine point oh seven. A month ago, he was down there at ten point oh seven. So he's already jumped up uh, a full round. People are definitely. Which is, you know, it just goes to show it's a it's a good it's a good piece of analysis. Like uh definitely people are starting to figure this one out. Right. Um yeah, I'm I'm in on Hearns too. He's definitely he's somebody I've been drafting.
4: Yeah, we'll see. We'll just have to see kinda how his his ADP shakes out. If if we can keep getting him in later rounds, definitely. Um but like you mentioned, people are starting to get on to him, and rightly so. Maybe they should be. So um great call there, Jen. I'll go ahead and step in and give out one of my guys. Um, I'm not going to get in too much detail about, uh, this guy as a prospect, as uh, a future NFL player, anything like that. But I just want to point out one guy that I wish Kent was here, man, cause I know he loves him and he's brought him up a bunch. DJ Moore, wide receiver, Carolina Panthers. Um, Moore was, was the first wide receiver taken in the NFL draft back in April. He got picked 24th overall, um, coming out of Maryland. Um, and I know that there's people out there that believe in Devin Funches, but, I'll be honest with you. I'm not one of them, and there's a reason that I call Devin Funches Devin Funch ass because I don't think uh, he's a good. This player. Is a family Ow. show. Family show. Guys. Wow. Someone that <laughs> you said ass. Sorry, 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 sorry. Um, we'll bleep that out. Um, but but just someone that I don't think um is really much of a competition to be honest for for DJ Moore. Um, when you look at what the offense is becoming in Carolina, it's definitely evolving. Last year, they went out and they drafted Christian McCaffrey in the first round, who um, filled a nice role for them for those short kind of check down passing options for Cam. This year, they go out and they get um, DJ Moore in the first round. So they're surrounding this guy with playmakers. And, and I think it's kind of obvious that they're trying to get the ball out of Cam's hands quicker and more efficiently. Um, and to do that, they're going to get a guy like DJ Moore, who I'll be honest, I <laughs> cheated. I took this all from reception perception. <laughs> He creates layup throws for his quarterback Harmon. Do you do you agree? With yeah, that?
0: I mean, he's trying to recover real quick from Devin Funchess getting murdered on the show. Uh, I mean, he, he seems RIP. like such a nice guy, but uh, I don't know. Uh, no, but that no, I, you, that was what I loved so much about DJ Moore as a draft prospect. Like you mentioned, he he um, does create those layup throws. And like, is there a quarterback that has needed those layup throws more than Cam Newton over the last you know five eight years of his career or whatever? I would argue no. Uh, as a longtime Panthers uh, sufferer, yeah, no. I mean, it's, it, that's, that's the type of receiver that he's always needed. DJ Moore's a guy I got to talk to before the draft process. Uh, so, again, it was really cool to see the team I kind of like, sort of, depending on the day. You know, it's complicated. Uh, it was nice to see them uh, make a, a smart pick like this. Um, I really think he's going to be a good, good receiver. Um, I have not drafted him really in fantasy yet. Um, just haven't felt that strong conviction about what's going to happen with this Carolina Panthers offense because I think there's a lot of different ways that it could go. Um, I agree with you. I think there's a scenario where he's the number one receiver this year, and it's because he just wins out because he's better than everybody else. Um, but there's a lot of guys that he's like – Funches, Olsen, McCaffrey, and more are all 100-plus target, plus, plus target candidates. And this is not a, a passing offense that's been historically – voluminous. So it's not it's it's again I just don't feel a lot of conviction about which one of these guys I want to be on. I'm hoping that, you know, Moore has a good summer and it looks a little bit better a few months from now because I, again, I do really like the player. I just haven't felt that conviction yet.
3: Okay, so here's an interesting question I have, guys. It's not necessarily specifically re- related to this, but it's worth considering in general for for listeners and for drafters. Do you think that rookies typically are going to be more highly drafted as the summer moves along, people see highlights, uh people learn more about these players through podcasts, whatever it may be, or do you think that mock drafts right now are primarily by guys who uh, know what they're doing and so it's, it's pretty high as it is and it's actually maybe going to go down a little bit because I'm curious about what we can expect for guys like Moore.
0: I think it depends, right? It depends on what happened last year because basically so much of fantasy drafters are very, very reactionary as just on, based on what happened last year. You know, we hear that all the time in the lead up to draft analysis, you know, major media idiots like myself are like, well, last year, you know, over the second half of the season, he was the wide receiver 10 and people, blah, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's just very reactionary because it's just what it always is. Now as sharper drafters, we've got to look and take things on a case by case basis. Um, I, and, with what's happened in recent history, with uh, this, the last couple of draft classes, these rookie receivers haven't had uh, much of a breakout impact like we saw in 2014 with Odell Beckham and the boys. Like, I do think that the value of rookie wide receivers could be pushed down, um, and, and we won't necessarily see that explosion of hype. Now, you know, a couple of good preseason catches, and and I don't know. Then we're probably in business. Then we're then we're going. So. It really is a case by case basis to me on on how people should approach this but I I would always bet that people are going to side mm-hmm. on you know what's happened most recently.
4: Yeah and it's definitely you know 10 second gif season right now on Twitter so um, you'll see you'll see all these these crazy catches and everything and everyone's gonna get super hyped about it um, but we gotta remember that's that's not how the game's played all the time so uh, we'll see what the preseason brings as far as DJ Moore's role in the Carolina offense but from my perspective I think I'm targeting him as someone that um, could be a very high upside player in the double digit rounds and you know, we brought it up with guys like Josh Dachson, and at that price, it's it's kind of worth the gamble. So I think for what he could be, um, the draft capital isn't isn't too pricey. But if he climbs into the single digit rounds, I think he's someone that I'll probably probably fade. Um, that's that's probably enough about the Carolina offense in general. Let's let's keep this thing rolling. Harmon, I want to end with you, so we're <laughs> gonna skip skip you for a second. Let's go back to Okada. Skipped. Okada, I know that you're excited about a Miami Dolphin. Which, which no one
2: is except yes, Anthony.
4: Hard to, hard to say. Like <laughs> I can't even, the words can't even come out because the team I think is going to be so bad, but sell me on this guy. Who are you excited about? Definitely. So
3: again, returning to a, a deliciously terrible AFC East team in the dolphins. Uh, and I'm going to go with Kenny Stills. Um, there's quite a few reasons I like Stills and I'm actually grabbing him all over the place. First of all, Jarvis Landry is gone. That's obviously the biggest thing. We're talking 140-plus targets, 120-plus receptions, usually somewhere in that range, gone from this team. He has been the absolute hog of this offense, certainly in the passing game, uh, for a few years now. So he's out in Cleveland, and that leaves a interesting smattering of pass attempts to get uh, distilled. Ooh, yeah. that was an accidental pun. Yeah. Distilled. <laughs> Down to Kenny Stills, and then Devontae Parker, as well as the couple sort of slotty guys that they brought in, uh, Wilson and Danny Amendola. So, when it comes down to it, is a Patriot guy, uh, but he's made by the Patriots, so I don't have any confidence that he's going to be much of anything on the Dolphins. I'm not interested at all. Wilson, he's a jag, uh, so I'm not too interested in him either. So let's get back to Stills now. Oh, oh, and then as far as Parker, I've wanted to believe in Parker for quite some time now. And he's a guy who could return some decent value for sure as well. But his ADP is higher. He's about two rounds higher going around 903 versus 1112 for uh, Kenny Stills. Um, and I'm tired of honestly waiting for the Devonte Parker breakout. I think it, the, the time may have passed. So back to Kenny Stills. He's been an under-the-radar performer over the past few years. His yards, catches, receptions have all, or uh, targets have all gone up in his first three seasons with the Dolphins after coming out of New Orleans, uh, where he had some great seasons as well. Um, Last year, he had 847 yards and six touchdowns. He's got 15 touchdowns combined over the last two seasons. And again, of course, that's all with Landry still there. Um, Now, here's here's some fun stuff for you. He's He's primarily known as a deep ball guy, a down-the-field guy. He, he makes big plays, um, and if you have uh, access to reception perception and you look at his success by route uh, down the field, it's really, really good. But here's some here's a fun little note. I won't tell you who, who said this originally. Hint, it's Matt Harmon. <laughs> but Kenny Stills has been used out of the slot more than you would expect and successfully, so... Here's, here's his direct direct quote, Mr. Harmon. The veteran receiver lined up in the slot on 38.8% of his sampled snaps and was off the line of scrimmage on 54.7%. And what it really does is it opens up a route uh, down the middle of the field, inside vertical routes, that gives him the kind of separation that you can't really get running those same kind of routes from the outside. Um, so if with that slot uh, role completely vacated now if Stills actually gets more of it than you would expect uh, if you're trying to put that role on to Amendola or Wilson, that's going to be a huge boon for his targets and possibly also just for his efficiency. Uh, so I, I I could see him leading the team in targets, and I think he's going to be very effective with those targets, even if he doesn't. Um, maybe if he falls in the you know 90 to 100 target range, which I think is perfectly plausible. This team's going to have to throw a lot. I think we can probably agree on that. Um, I love Kenny Stills, so give
2: well, it to me. At least your logic is together because you don't like Amendola or Wilson, and if you're saying Kenny Stills might, you know, take some of the slot and line up from there, so I mean that makes sense. You can't really, you know, because I, I, it's 164 targets. I had to look it up. Landry had 164 targets last season, so. There's plenty to go around. I I like the Stills pick, so that's but a lot. I, I still like Wilson. I'm just yeah. gonna say that he's you 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 know you don't pay that much to him, but pay that much for him, so you can snag him at the end of, of drafts. Right now, who knows? But yeah,
0: yeah, I think you can. I think you can target both players. Um, but I, I'm so I'm with you guys both on on Wilson and Stills. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm with you on the Still's things. Since you, you said what I said, <laughs> so <laughs> we're such fanboys. Uh, uh, I'm it. like, uh, but um, I, I'm with you guys both on the both these players. Um, honestly, all these Miami guys are cheap, and somebody's going to get t- somebody's going to get that vacuum of targets sent their way. Um, I like Stills a lot because, especially, you know. Later on in best ball drafts, he's definitely uh, somebody that's worth looking at there. And Wilson, too, is so cheap, and I think he's going to – he could have a chance to really absorb that role. The the Amendola thing just throws me off, you know, because I really would have loved Wilson there kind of as their slot receiver replacement. Then they go out and they sign Amendola. It kind of makes things a little weird. And, you know, it's still this Miami offense. How good is it really going to be? But so, yeah, that's why I like targeting kind of these cheaper guys.
2: So I'm going to go into my guy, who is Rashard Matthews. So I want to say before I even get into Matthews that I think this Tennessee offense is going to have a bounce back season. Marietta just never looked right after his injury. It's just he never was the same guy. He couldn't get comfortable in the pocket. He just wasn't scrambling the way he typically does. And it kind of takes away, obviously, his ceiling if you take away his legs. He just never felt like he got comfortable again. So I think that with that added into this, a healthy Marietta will only help Rashard Matthews, who is Tip, he's going right now in the 11th round the end of the 11th round this is ADP right now so way late so you're getting him for cheap and this was the number 37 overall wide receiver last year in 2017 and that's with Eric Decker now gone so that's 83 targets that got got freed up and I just think I think last year his target his uh yeah, his, his touchdowns were down. So they went down a little bit, and I think they're going to bounce back this year because we all know Decker in the red zone, and he was 25% of the red zone target. So I think with that, he's got a lot of upside, especially where he's going. He's got a great conversion rate in contested situations, and I think he's really somebody that's going under the radar that I think could have you know at least flex appeal, if not if not more upside once the season gets started i hope people don't even pick up on him to be honest
3: <laughs> yeah it's it's funny i feel like a, a good strategy to find these guys is to look for places where someone's assumed to be the wide receiver one that really there's not much reason for an assumption or at least a dominating wide receiver one so here you've got davis we talked about stills with parker uh, more uh more in carolina um so you know, these places where someone it seems like somebody has an avenue and so their ADP is much higher, but when you find the guy whose ADP is at a much better value, sneak in there, grab him, and he has almost as good a chance of, of kind of taking that share in that production value.
4: That's your back. Give us your last right. guy and then we'll, then we'll end with him. All right. Awesome. So I'll kind of preface this by saying that there's a guy who I'm excited about that um, none of this is going to matter if there's any legal action taken against this player. So the guy I'm excited about as a late round sleeper is, is Robbie Anderson. Um, and he's dealing with some off the field legal issues, like I said. But fortunately, those were dropped. Now, that doesn't always mean that the player won't face a suspension from the NFL, as we've seen time and time again. So um, it's it's mid-July. It's still early. So he could have some suspension coming his way. So if he doesn't have a suspension, this is why uh, I'm excited about him. So. Real quick, we'll just kind of go through. I want you all to kind of tell me where you think he finished uh, in terms of PPR scoring in 2017. Okada, let's start with you. Ooh! Don't look it up. <laughs> Twenty seconds. Twenty seconds. Twenty second. I all think he's right, in the got?
0: teens, right? Um, maybe up there around 13, 12. I, I it's it's much higher than people think.
4: No. Wow. Jen,
2: I was gonna go 19.
4: 19. You guys are both close. He finishes the wide receiver 16 <sighs> wow. in PPR formats, which when I was kind of researching and prepping for this, I was shocked. Um, it's those monster I don't,
2: those monster games he had.
4: Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's kind of what I was going to bring up too is he's someone that he's the perfect guy to put in your flex. And I'm I'm all about those guys that you can put in your flex and kind of win you a week. And so he offers that upside there. Um, I bring that up to kind of point out the, the big discrepancy. I don't know if there's another player in drafts who has that big of a discrepancy in terms of draft capital and his finish the year before. So he finishes wide receiver 16. He's being drafted as the wide receiver 41, which to me is just kind of bananas. I mean, I don't understand how there's such a big discrepancy. And maybe it's the legal concerns and the off-the-field stuff that's kind of dropping him. But um, if that doesn't you know, come to fruition, that's a huge discrepancy in terms of those two numbers. So uh, he's a guy who I think offers... Big play potential. Um, I went through some of the reception perception from him last year, and and he's a guy who he did decently well in his contested catches. I think his contested catch rate was about sixty four point three percent. So nothing that that shocks you or blows you out of this world. But if he can go up and win one, two, three, four deep balls, um, and can take that to the house, that's that's almost like a, a league a week winner. Excuse me, um, in your flex option. So he's a guy for that reason that I'm excited about that you can get um, in the ninth round.
2: I think I know one reason I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I think it's because he plays for the jets. (laughs) That's a big discrepancy. Plus the suspension. And, And I would
4: argue, I would argue that's actually a pro for what that system is going to be in terms of their offense and their, um, their team as a whole, they're, they're going to be trailing. They're going to have to throw the ball. Uh, we saw it a bunch last year. And so, um, third, fourth quarter, chuck it up to Robbie Anderson. I'm all about it.
2: Where is he going right now? Because that's what it all comes down to, right? I mean, you're right. If- ninth
4: round, yeah. Ninth. ninth round,
0: yeah. People, people have been drafting him like they're waiting for the other shoe to drop, suspension-wise. Uh, mm-hmm. But it just, I mean, we're here in uh, in July, and it hasn't happened yet. And yeah, it still could. But yeah, huge, huge prices. I mean, there's going to be some regression just on his overall deep ball efficiency because of his deep touchdown. He's, he is all of his touchdowns were on deep passes, so. I mean that is something that probably not going to repeat itself, but it's uh, it's an offense with at least an interesting quarterback situation. Uh, better if, if and when McCown goes down, at least they have some more promising options than you know Bryce frickin' Petty. <laughs> so yeah, he's a he's a good pick. He's a good one to call up.
3: Yeah, it's really crazy when you see a gap like that that you mentioned. You expect maybe oh they signed someone big or they their quarterback retired. This team yeah, has not signed changed prior, really though, so. a, at all. Yeah, oh, they they signed Terrell Dumpster Fire, that's right. Um I mean, if McCown is ever not on the field unless it's because of injury, it's only because they've decided of Darnold is even better. So, I don't see the quarterback situation dropping. That the one tiny little thing that I'm interested in and I kind of wanted to save this for maybe an even deeper sleeper episode somewhere later, but Quincy and Nunwa is coming back. And he's he he has been a an interesting guy for me as well, so keep that name in the back of your head. But I still love the Robbie Anderson pick.
4: Good stuff, guys. Uh, we got we got one more. We might as well close out our show with uh, Mister Harmon, kind of giving us the uh, the best of the best here. Yeah. Harmon, so uh,
0: my my last guy was Cameron Meredith. Um, you know, the Saints' offense we know is always historically one of the best. Um, I think they will be throwing the ball more this year than they were when they were running the ball. Uh, to a great degree of effectiveness last year, obviously Mark Ingram was suspended early on, and just overall, you expect them to not be in such run-heavy game scripts for a second year in a row. So, with that, I'm looking at some of these other guys beyond Michael Thomas, because we know uh, Thomas is is a stud, and he'll be up there dominating the target share. But beyond that, there really isn't many established weapons beyond you know, I don't know, Ted Ginn. Um, so I I really like the fact that uh, Meredith has stayed cheap. He's there in that kind of eleventh round range. I mean, he's a risky pick because we don't know what his health status is. The team that he was on, the Bears, decided not to invest in him, but he's still a guy that uh, I think is a really good player. Like he was a guy based on reception perception that I think could win inside and outside. Um, he could win on intermediate routes, uh, and it was a guy that I really thought was primed to kind of break out in in the Bears with the Bears last year, and in New Orleans, if he wins that kind of big slot receiver role that Marcus Colston has held, that Michael Thomas takes some snaps from occasionally, that's going to be a big time win for Cameron Meredith because the, the, the Saints really don't have any other middle of the field passing weapons. So I really like taking Meredith. I know he's a risky pick, but if I can get him as kind of that fourth, fifth receiver on my team that if he doesn't work out, I can just cut him and move on. Um, I, I, I think that's really appealing.
4: Yeah, awesome. And I'll just I'll just kind of touch on it real quick. Um, since you brought it up, his health concerns. And for our listeners who may be new to the show or you know aren't aware of kind of what we all bring to the table, um, I'm a physical therapist. I treat sports and orthopedic injuries, and so this is kind of what I do. And so when we look at uh, Cameron Meredith, he went down with that gruesome injury in the preseason last year. He tore the ACL and MCL uh, of his knee, and there was quotes that came out that said there was, quote-unquote, other damage. So I'm not going to read into exactly what that means, but... There's not a ton in the knee that isn't um, ligament or meniscus or cartilage. And so when you look at the meniscus and the cartilage, those are both structures inside of the knee joint that provide kind of joint surface lubrication, help the knee kind of move smoothly, absorb contact and kind of absorb um, shock and forces through the knee. So uh, if there's anything involved in either of those two, the rehab process for surgery that involves those structures is a lot slower and a lot more um, cautious and so for, for just a typical acl mcl injury the the bears wouldn't have passed on meredith the way that they did and there was reports that came out that their one of their main reasons for passing was their health concerns about him um, so there's there's something else going on that uh, the saints know that we don't and so i'm not going to read into it but just to kind of point out that like hey you know, it's an injury that's not very straightforward, and we get got to definitely monitor this kind of going through training camp and see how he um, how he performs to see if he'll be back to his form in uh, in 2018. But uh, without without further ado, we've got a special guest back on the show again. <laughs> hey, Ken, what's up, dude?
1: Oh, hey, how's it going? Speaking of things that are injured all the time, my power company has been <laughs> quite awful this evening. So it's gone out about five times. I'm going to try and get one guy in here real quick. I want to talk about Marquise Goodwin. I think he is going to be vastly outperforming his ADP this year. He's currently going at wide receiver 43, and that's going in the back half of the ninth round or somewhere in the middle, and ninth round wide receiver, kind of in that Robbie Anderson range you guys were just talking about. it, So it's a cheap you know, investment, and I think the upside that he has there is pretty immense because if you look at the receiving options that they have right now, it's Pierre Garcon, who's 31 going on 32, uh, they have Pettis, who they just drafted this year. And they have Trent Taylor, who's recovering from back surgery he just had this offseason. And, you know, people are looking at Jimmy G like he's, you know, the next great quarterback in this league. And he went 5-0 and and brought the 49ers to salvation. But in order for him to do that, he needs to have someone catching the ball. And I think Marquise Goodwin, who is going way too late, has potential to be like, I think a a wide receiver two or a top 20 wide receiver this year, because I don't think Garcon is going to be able to get it done. And, you know, they need someone who's got a little bit more of an athletic profile and Goodwin's still 27. He's got a lot of tread left on the tire. Uh, He worked on a lot of the deficiencies he had in his route tree when he was, you know, earlier in his career, when he's at Buffalo, he was known as like a deep threat, just a human nine route, and that has changed dramatically over the course of this last season for sure. He's developed his outs, his slants, his comebacks, everything like that. His routes were looking really nice. Um, I don't know have the numbers on. I'm sure Matt Harmon might know a little bit more about that, but um, yeah, I know I'm a big fan of his, and I think it's it's almost a lock that he outperforms his ADP, and I think it could be somewhere in that top twenty four range with without question.
0: No, Ken. I think I think it's good that you called out the Marcus Goodwin because, like you mentioned, people are drafting Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, as a top seven quarterback. But that isn't, and I always like to look for these discrepancies in drafts, like whether it's all the fact all the Giants are going early, but Eli Manning's like quarterback dirt. So uh, you know these sort of things. Like you know, fantasy is a numbers game. It's got to add up in the end. That's how statistics work, um, and statistically, like if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to finish as a top 10 uh, quarterback, we're going to have to see, you know, guys like Marcus Goodwin, George Kittle, Pierre Garçon exceed their ADPs unless uh, Jared McKinnon really is going to catch like a thousand receiving yards this year. So, uh, yeah, no, it's definitely a smart move to to target Goodwin. I haven't been drafting him really because I like Garçon to reprise that top target role. But, you know, that's certainly no sure bet.
1: Yeah, and, you know, and Garcon might actually still be the top target hog in, the, in that, that uh, receiving core, but the number two, I think, uh, is certainly locked down. I know people like George Kittle as well, um, but Trent Taylor I'm not really worried about, and Pettis I think will need a little bit of time to kind of develop into that NFL role. So uh, as for this year, Marquise Goodwin strikes me as a guy who is a deep sleeper. Well, maybe not deep, but he's definitely a sleeper. Um, so I'm, I'm, I've been trying to draft him a little bit more in my best balls and I'm going to be trying to get him in redraft leagues as well. So definitely looking forward to him. So did, did you guys, I, you've covered all the ground here, I think, right? You guys have gone over all your favorite sleepers.
2: Yes, we yes have. sir.
4: We did.
1: All right. Well, I'll have to listen to the podcast later, <laughs> uh, to figure out what you guys think about all that. But, um, I do want to say uh, to Mr. Matt Harmon, thank you for coming on the show. We do really appreciate it. Your expertise and your renown in the fantasy industry is well known. So uh, we appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, Before we start to get to wrapping up here, we're, of course, going to bring up once again that we have our listener league opening up. And so we need to get a few more people in there. And now I just I just hit up Scott Fish earlier today. He's doing something special for uh, podcasts that are running Listener leagues. So you might want to get in on this. It could be leading to a Scott Fish Bowl 9 entry if you feel like uh, trying to take us down in that tournament next year. So uh, leave us a review, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play uh, anywhere that has, I think Spotify, I don't know if they have a review system, but leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. We take critique very well, uh, in that we ignore it and block you immediately. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, seriously, we're always trying to get better at this and we're a new podcast. So we appreciate all insight and, uh, it's uh, definitely very helpful. So, uh, after you leave that review, make sure you hit us up in our Twitter DMs, uh, that's at redshirtsffpod, or you can email us, that is redshirtspod at gmail.com. So just let us know that you left a re- left us a review, uh, and we'll check it out and make sure that that holds up and has water, and and we'll get you entered into that contest. We'll make sure we got enough to fill the league. Um, we might have to boil it down a little bit, though, because we do have quite a few coming in. So um, without further ado, guys, lady. How how is that it? Are we all done? I think think that's pretty good. I think think we're good. Um can't just
4: just give our listeners one more time. Harmon, thanks a lot, man. We appreciate you coming on. Uh let us know one more time where we can find you at, how we can find your work, and how our listeners can get to know you better.
0: Yeah. Uh if you guys want to follow me, I'm at Matt Harmon underscore BYB on Twitter, uh reception perception, which is what we were all mentioning tonight, not just me. It's a nice change of pace. Uh you can find that at receptionperception.com there's a link to purchase the ultimate draft kit there where you're going to get access to everything you heard tonight and so much more um, and yeah this season I'll be over, I'm working at Yahoo now and uh, really going to be doing a lot of stuff Uh, with their social media with my social media kind of for whatever reason they're like yeah you have a good voice and we're gonna make that our voice now i'm like well that's a little intimidating but we'll go ahead and do it (laughs) anyway." um so it should be it should be fun just keep up with all that stuff you know on any social media just follow follow us at yahoo fantasy
1: awesome well good luck with that man we definitely love to see people like you getting out there and and getting you know new jobs and stepping forward so it's really good to see and good good luck with that we appreciate we like that well, anyway, I think that was another good episode. Like I said, I missed most of it, but we'll we'll hear it later. So, uh, thank you for listening. Enjoy uh, you know getting these sleeper wide receivers and once again, we are the Redshirts. Here
0: comes 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 comes